0: This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. And here's a word from our sponsors.
2: Introducing Norm self-checkout for all! Do you often find yourself in a tizzy with a credit card reader? Or perhaps tiptoeing around tipping etiquette? Maybe even paying scandalously steep card-not-present fees? Norm is here to solve it all! Think of Norm as payment simplified. No card reader for you, no wallet for your client. Instead, patrons pay and tip you straight from their phones! Checkout details are carried through the ether by either a text message or QR code. Your client receives a notification and pays with their previously saved card details. All they have to do is add a grand, luxurious gratuity. And all available with one low rate as a part of Schedulicity Pay. Try Norm Self Checkout for All. Safe, secure, and shockingly simple. Find out how using Norm can increase tips, speed up payment, and free you from unreliable card readers all at one low rate. Visit paywithnorm.com.
0: Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, and this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity.
3: welcome to your day off my name is Corey. And of course i'm sitting with my best friend tone what's up man what's going on brother uh well big big shout out to sydney ann lopez because uh, she actually introduced us to our guest today and and how this person wasn't on our radar
0: you know dude I don't know. i as i'm researching her and and looking at all the things that she's accomplished i don't know i did it Covid brain. I, I, I have an excuse. I could say Covid brain, but
3: uh, I don't know how she we missed her. No, me either. And I'm pretty excited about today. Um,
0: uh, I, I mean, I don't. She's I mean, the OG of what she, we're doing. She's the OG
3: of the OG, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, she's uh, she's interviewed so many people in our industry. She's done so much in our industry. Uh-huh. Uh, dude, I, I can't wait to get in and unfold all of that, and it just it's going to be a great conversation.
3: Yeah, and and, and and the text messages have been amazing. I mean the uh, the emails back and forth have been amazing. Um she's really engaged in what we're doing and, and 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 you can tell why she's had such a long career in our industry because at least with me and you know, I'm a nobody, um, you know, she she was pretty engaged with me and just uh just kind of figuring out what this was gonna be about and stuff. I, I just really, really appreciated it.
0: Yeah, but her eye, I mean if you if you read about her, I mean she's always at the like the forefront of everything in our industry. She just sees things uh, a little before the rest of us that and that's that 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 that's a gift yeah, you know truly that's a, gift. a gift like 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 we're we're chasing
3: instagram and stuff not seeing what like is kind of next you know right you know, you know so. she
0: sees what's over the horizon
3: so sh- sh- should we stop teasing people yeah so on the podcast today we have maggie Mulhern. um and she's i, I mean she was an editor or or uh, in a in a She's with Modern Salon and was responsible for like the Modern Salon covers. Pretty much, if you've ever seen a Modern Salon, she was responsible for that imagery, right? I mean, that's pretty much what it
0: comes down to, dude. She's, yeah, I mean, over to, probably over 10k worth of content packages in, 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 for Modern Salon. No, really, yeah, and then hundreds of uh covers. And dude, she's done so much, she just sees so much, and, she, and she's worked with. People uh, like Sassoon's, like Vivian McKender, all the way up to people like Guy Tang today. So, I mean, she's worked with everybody, dude. She's like – she's. she's our, she's our, our key to like the history of the
3: industry, right? Of like, of like everybody that we followed, everybody that we, uh, that we talk
0: about. Absolutely. As
3: our, she knows, she knows, she knows the people we talk to is like, wow, that, that that would have been really cool (laughs) to get to know her to meet or something. Right. Yeah. That's all. Should we get in? Yeah. Let's get in. Miss Maggie Mulhern, welcome to your day off.
1: Hi guys. You know, if, if I, uh, had a beard, it would be hiding me blushing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have the
3: beard, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys are so cool. Thank you for having me on. It is really such an honor. I've been following you guys and have seen you around and have always wondered what's the real deal here. And now that I see your whole setup, it's very cool.
3: Dude, you're very cool. Thank you. And, and like, I'm just like, if, if, like we were talking earlier, man, if you saw us in a press room, man, you should have come over and said hello, man. We would have been tickled to talk to you.
1: Oh, that's so great. I oh, just I love having this opportunity to meet with you and speak with you. So and again, thank you for that lovely introduction.
3: Oh, Maggie, you're the best. Yeah, that,
0: that was I don't even think that's that was good enough to no. to introduce you. But But if we talk too much do. then
3: she'd have nothing to talk about because right. we just throw out everything <laughs> that she's kinda done and then we'd be like, Well, we're getting off.
0: <laughs> so so where did you grow up? Where where are you from?
1: I'm from Ridgewood, New Jersey, which is this beautiful little town outside of New York City. You know, my dad worked in New York City and would take the train in every day. Ridgewood is a great town. It was a wonderful town to grow up in. Went to Ridgewood High and then went to Boston College where I majored in communications and journalism and the whole shebang and uh, then got out of college many, many years ago, many decades ago and just said, well, what do I do now? And it was funny how um, my first job was at our our, uh, newspaper called The Record in, uh, it's out of Hackensack, New Jersey. It was such a great newspaper. I loved, loved, loved that job. I was in the entertainment area and then uh, I was discovered as a model. And I know that may throw you off because I'm not super tall and I'm far from thin, but I was one of the very first large size models in New York. And I was very successful. Oh, wow! And, and the reason I was so successful, I should point out is because there were so few of us. <laughs> <laughs> there were only like maybe 10 large size models working at the time. And every job that came up, I, I got, I was just very lucky. And I did print and runway. I actually did fashion week. I did New York fashion week, which in the olden days, it was called market week. And I did a whole bunch of shows there And then. um,
0: So were you always fashion forward, even like up through school and college?
1: Fashion forward, I would say no, but I always had a hair thing. Always had, you know, hair was always a huge thing for me. I remember when I was a little girl, our neighborhood people, our neighborhood friends would always grab me and say, um, Margaret Mary, as I was known back then, Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret Mary, can we play with your hair? And I just remember that all the girls in the neighborhood would use my hair. You know how people would use Barbie dolls? I wasn't the Barbie doll. And I remember this much. And I, I, I remember it so distinctly that my one neighbor just teased my hair. I, I was like Marge Simpson and my hair was <laughs> so high. And I remember to this day that the nightmare of having to comb it out. Wow. But, it, but I was always used as, as the Barbie doll girl. You know, I've never told anybody that you guys are like the first ones to, uh, to hear that. I've never told anybody about that. I was the Barbie doll. You are the Barbie doll. So, yeah. And then I think the reason I got so much work as a model was because my hair was good, you know? Right. I don't know. It's because I was one of the 10 girls doing it. So really, and then um, this is the weirdest thing. I, um, I was like maybe a size 12, 14 when I was modeling and all of a sudden, oddly, I just started losing weight and I, I don't know why. And I thought, Oh my God, I'm dying. I was losing weight. And I lost so much weight that I lost all my clients because I was too thin. I remember I was patting myself. I was putting socks in my bras and wearing like 12 pairs of underpants. But then all I ended up was looking like, you know, a Kardashian because I was, yeah, I looked very cartoonish. So I lost all my jobs. And, I, uh, and while I was modeling, I was writing a book um, that was ultimately published by Doubleday. It's called Great Looks. Yep. And I wrote it with my modeling agent at the time, who um my husband just brought it in here. It's uh, yeah, I'm gonna show you. So this is the book. I mean, it is so torn up because it's so old. So this is the book. It's great looks. It's a beauty book for large size women. And because I was so I hate to use the word thin at the time, <laughs> but it wasn't large size. We put Pat on the cover, but this is this was my first, my first published work outside of when I did the newspaper. So it's a great book. It's a beauty book for large size women. It's super duper old. Um and Is it I- still in print? It's not in print. It actually oddly did kind of well at the time it came out. Um, It's so funny because other people have since done books that were, they said, this is the first beauty book for large size women. And I'm like, no, it's not. Mine wasn't even the (laughs) first. I love how people just kind of change things around. You can find it. I think if you Google it, you can find it some places. But it's called Great Looks. It was published by Doubleday. And again, oddly successful for the, the time when it came out and uh I'm very proud of it
3: how, how did that feel like when you first when you you know when you first released the book like like you know I, I kind of think a life is like uh, I think a life is like these 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 like l- rungs on a ladder you know and like w- w- success is like within those sometimes you fall a couple rungs but then you work your way back up but you know I mean you were pretty young at the time and stuff so how did it feel like to be like and well go ahead and then I have a I have a follow-up question
1: Okay, so uh, honestly, it was it was shocking because at during the progression, when Double Day accepted it, I'm like, really, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and then um, I sent in the manuscript, and they came back with like zero edits, which terrified me because at the time I, I said, don't you have some input? You know, I have, I I need some more feedback. They're like, no, it's good to go. And the next thing you know, and I kept the whole time, I kept thinking, this is going to fall through, this is going to fall through, this is going to fall through. And the next thing you know, the thing's in the mail. I get it. I get, they, they hand it over to me and they said, here's your 10 complimentary copies. And I'm like, whoa, this thing actually happened. And I'm, I'm sure that happens to a lot of people in the industry where you think, oh, am I going to get this gig? Am I going to get this opportunity to work with this client? Am I going to get to be on stage for this brand? Am I blah, 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 blah. And you think it's not going to happen. It's going to fall through. And the next thing you know, you're on the stage or you're working with that celebrity or you're on on you know doing something cool that you just you, you weren't really prepared for the success. So the book came out and um, it was, I'm I'm just, I'm so proud of it. You know, I'm, I'm really very proud of it, even though it's something I don't talk about much. Again, I don't know if any, I've really talked about this with anybody before. So again, it's interesting
3: because my follow-up question was going to be what, 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 what attacks all of us. And that's imposter syndrome. You kind of got into that, like, like, am I worthy to do this or, 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 you know, I mean, literally what you just said, I think explained our entire even podcast experience. Like we never expected anything. And even to this day, Maggie, like our studio is an extra bedroom in my house. Right. And, and, And the fact that anybody, the fact that anybody hears it outside of this room Still to this day blows me away. You know, like when people talk about the podcast, or when we get DMs and said, "Oh, you talked about this." And I'll be honest, sometimes I'm like, I don't even remember talking about that. But <laughs> but it's there. You know, it's, it's just very weird, very humbling when 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 anything that you've done creatively is is accepted outside of outside of your own head or outside of us. You know.
1: Yeah, and you guys, I've listened to your podcast, and you're you're such great interviewers, and you look cool, and your set is cool, but you really, what you do, I think that's unique, is that you really listen to the person you're talking to, because a lot of people, they're just so busy thinking of the next question that they don't really intakes, but you listen, and you guys are very polite, and um, I, again... Back, I'm honored to be here so
3: Mag, stop that that's silly well you know the, the truth is is that is that we're so dumb we don't know what the next question is so we we'll keep we keep we'll keep letting you talk until we have a question but <laughs> okay,
1: so, so you wanted to know how I I fell into the salon industry so hey, I' started yeah. writing the book now I'm like a size 810 I I'm too big for regular modeling I'm and too big at that point, I was maybe 26 years old, 27 years old. So I was too old, too big, too short, but I was too small for large size modeling. So I'm like, oh, what do I do, what do I do? So in the olden days, you would open up a newspaper and look under you the know, classifieds for jobs. And there were two jobs that I said, this kind of fits into what I've been doing. And one was for Good Housekeeping as a beauty editor and one was for Modern Salon as a beauty editor. I'm like, all right, this sounds cool. I went and interviewed for both. I was offered the job for, for each. And the reason I took modern over good housekeeping is I like the offices better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> right? Whatever it takes. Well, yeah. Both companies are still around and, and very successful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I, and I started with modern and again, that was 39 and a half years, actually maybe it's 40 years. Yeah, it's my 40 years ago by now. And I was always based in New York and Once I got into it, I thought, oh, I'll do this for a year or two. And, you know, here it is, you know, 40 years later. But I thought this, who knew about this community? This is the coolest community. What a great industry. These are such passionate, creative people who are entrepreneurs, but but self-motivated. And it really was the creativity that just kind of blows my mind. And I never prior to that saw hair as art. And now I I and immediately, quickly, I saw it's living art. It's moving art, that it's art that you produce. And then within seconds, it's the color is changing or the, it's getting longer. It's just such an exciting business to be in. It, it's just so great. And I know you guys are, are, you know, on the front lines. You're actually doing hair as well as this kind of stuff. So um, I've been honored to be part of this community.
3: Wow. You know, you're right. And it's so it's it's such a cool and unique industry because not only can you make a business, you know, it's not like you're a, it's not like you're a painter, like hoping to sell your product, right? Like like you can make a living at it and you can create art with it, you know, and you're the sole director, Right, I mean, for most of us, like we're the sole director. Like it's like it's your haircut, it's your color. Now you can collab with other people, but certainly if you go back to pre-collabing, you know, you just you were just one person who had a vision and you created the whole vision. I mean, I guess Nahas like that a little bit now, but um, but but it's just it's just a really really and anybody can
0: do it. Nothing is holding you back from creating art, you know, for, in this industry. It, it, it's it's amazing. So 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 I, so you joined Modern Salon in 1982. Was it? Was it? Is it still in the same um, building? Is it the same location? Is this? Has it? I mean, oh, how much has it grown?
1: Oh, it's just. Um, it has changed so. So much since then. So I moved into those offices, and you know, within a year, we got rid of those offices.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> that, that's where I was and going. I was like, this
1: this to the same? Right, yeah. <laughs> and then good housekeeping built this amazing building, and they had these beautiful offices. And I'm like, ah, I'm still happier where I am, um, because we we moved. Um, we were way up on 58th Street. Then we moved to 42nd Street. Then we moved to 41st Street. Then we moved right after 9/11 down to that area because the rents were so. <laughs> So great, down in you know nine eleven area. and uh-huh. And that's when I said, "Oh, I'm not going in the office anymore. I'll work out of my home." So I've been very fortunate to work out of my home ever since and And I'm very comfortable, and I'm very productive working out of the house, as I know so many people have become, uh, and it always worked out well for me. So, but isn't that uh- the funniest thing? I'll tell you the other thing that was great about working for modern over good housekeeping. at the consumer magazines, the larger consumer magazines, you're either a writer, or you're doing photo shoots, or you're doing, you know, you're very slotted in. At Modern Salon, because we had fewer editors, I got to do everything. I was writing articles, I did all the photo shoots, as you said, and in the early days, it was three editors doing photo shoots. We had an editor in New York, LA and Chicago, we were all doing photo shoots, but then ultimately they became, cause we, we just did them better. I'm not saying I did them better, but I was able to get better models, a better photographer, just a better team because it's just so much of, uh, imagery is produced in New York. So, um, and, and then, oh my God, th- th- this has been a great job working with modern, uh, you know, in COVID just so everybody knows right up front in COVID, uh, at the beginning of, co- in beginning of covid we closed our new york editorial office which is me so <laughs> that was that was a little sobering and a little bit of a shock but the timing was good for for them and for me certainly for modern and for me and in that one day they lost 60% of the staff wow so yeah so we went from having 10 editors maybe a year and a half ago to having two
3: Wow. Yeah. Wow wow wow. So I mean, you were there at that point like for 37 38 years. I mean, what was that call like?
1: No, it was 39 years. Well, you know what? It's really funny because things had been changing so dramatically anyway that um you know, it was it, the timing was perfect. You know, for for me, I don't know if the timing was perfect for for modern because when um when I left, um we had three key advertisers say right off the bat we're not advertising anymore. So I don't know. We, we um, prior to all of this, I don't know if I should be telling you guys all of this, but uh, three months before COVID or a little bit of time before COVID, we were purchased by a private equity firm who uh, they made it very clear. They said, we are just going to be getting rid of people and Uh, So we were all kind of on standby for that. And then COVID was an opportunity for them. And I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot because they got rid of key, key people, not just me, but we had our our head IT guy was, you know, let go. So, you know,
3: the most important event that we ever did was a modern salon event, you know, and and, and and you were with them at the time. So I'm gonna thank you personally. You know, thank thank you for having us. So we did the Modern Salon Digital Summit out in LA, which was just a remarkable, remarkable weekend for us. It's like it 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 took our podcast to a different level. And not only that, but we were introduced to so many people in the industry that it basically filled our podcast for a year, right? Just the people that we met there and how cool it was. And and for us. Plus before that, you know, we had seen all these people like on Instagram and stuff and like we were in awe of every single person there. You know, we were we, when we came on, we actually presented at that show when we came on stage. I don't think a person in there <laughs> knew who we were, you know, like who are these old dudes getting ready to talk to us? But but when we left that weekend, it was very cool. Like we had made some really, really great connections. And by far, here's a funny story. I back up a little bit, Mag. We were actually trying to get out of that event. So because we were self-funded at the time. Right. And then it was like, and, you know, Tony and I are talking and we're like, well, we got to talk to our wives. It's a big hit. Not only not only outgoing expenses, but but we were going to take some time off of work so we wouldn't have any money coming in either. So, you know, we were like, should we go? Should we go? Should we go? And the reason that we didn't was, well, Modern Salon personally asked us to do it. And if we don't do it, they'll never ask us to do anything else again. You know, and that was kind of how we felt about it. Because at that point, we had only been in the podcast. We had only had the podcast for 10 months actually when they asked us it was even before that it was like 8 months when they actually asked us but by the time we got there it was like 10 months and and like we were kind of and you know again it was it was a big expense for us but it's the best money we ever spent yeah you know by far cuz we we met we met the guys at Schedulicity that weekend who now sponsor the podcast and we met um just a, a ton of people and it's interesting that you said that an equity firm now owns them because just about every podcast we've talked about, we keep begging Modern Salon to do that event again. But I guess uh, they weren't even there for that. So they don't even get they don't even get the value in it, you know.
1: No. And that was the brainchild of Steve Reese, who was our publisher at the time, who is amazing and just forward thinking. And I'm sure you met Stacey Sobel mm-hmm. and Allison Alhamid, who was our chief editor. Um, Stacy's still with Modern. She's with Salon today. I mean, just very um smart interesting people who just know what they're doing I was in Morocco at the time so I was like (laughs) Morocco I don't blame you
3: I don't blame you either oh man I kind of want to get I want to get into uh Maggie I want to get into some stories about like some of the uh, iconic artists that you've worked into worked with you down
1: and I've been so blessed to work with some of the most amazing hairdressers. And I know I mentioned to you um, in, when we were back and forth with emails that I was hoping I would get to tell this story because I, I've told it a couple times, but it just deserves to be shared on a on a larger stage that um, Vidal Sassoon, who we all know. And you know what's really interesting? I uh, spoke to some younger hairdressers recently and I, I was talking about Vidal Sassoon and, and they're like, oh, I've heard of him. I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know, it's very important that you guys are doing this so that we can all know who he was and how he really was the founder of our industry and just the importance that before Vidal, as you guys know, but in a nutshell, before Vidal, it was the um, the women that would come in once a week to have their hair um, roller set And dried and then styled. And then Vidal came in and he said, nope, we're going to have precision cuts. We're going to be artists. We're going to um, learn how to style the hair so that the client only has to come in every six weeks. Uh, He just transformed our industry. So, you know, shout out to Vidal.
3: When we when we interviewed Trevor Sorby, Trevor I think it was Trevor's quote. We, we'll give Trevor credit regardless. Um, when we interviewed Trevor, Trevor said that you know Vidal Sassoon was the first hairdresser to inspire every woman in the world, and we kind of got bewildered. And he says, "If you've ever held a blow dryer, that was inspired by Vidal Sassoon." And like when he said that, it was like, "Oh, he's so right on, right?" Like he brought the blow dryer, or what they they called it like a portable dryer, I think at the time or something. But if you've ever held a blow dryer, then you were inspired by. By Vidal Sassoon. So, yeah, you've never had a blow dry in this industry?
1: Yeah, no, he totally transformed the industry. And we should all give a huge shout out to him. So, it kind of broke my heart when this younger person said, Oh, I've heard of him. So, yeah. you know, anybody young listening to this really research Vidal. He was, he, he is.
0: We have his daughter coming on Eden.
1: Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. And get her to talk about her dad. I mean, she's, uh, I mean, the whole family is just incredible. Elon also. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, so, um, I did a photo shoot and by the time I was shooting Vidal himself was not doing hair. He was, and I, you know, someone said, well, he just really doesn't do hair anymore. And I think it was really so that he could promote his people. So I was shooting with his team. It was Andy Humphreys at the time and we're at the shoot. And I said, Vidal would, do you mind just stopping by? And I said, I just want to get a picture of you with your team. And he's like, I'd love to stop by. So A couple days before the shoot, I'm at a salon and I was talking to a hairdresser there and just said, oh my God, Vidal Sassoon is coming by. And five hairdressers over in the corner said, just came running up to me. They said, can we come? Can we come? And, you know, I'm hemming and hawing and I'm like, is that like an intrusion on Vidal? Is that taking advantage of him? And I said, look, you can come you can just see him get off the elevator you go stand in a corner you don't bother him you just you just be respectful just the fact that you were in the same room with him with this icon with this god in our industry and then you're going to have to leave so we're doing we're in the middle of the photo shoot i get a call vidal's on his way I go to the people, and I go, right, go stand over here. I mean, I was really kind of mean. I'm shoving them in a corner. Mm-hmm. Vidal, Vidal walks off the elevator. Hi, Maggie. So great. Thank you for including me. He's thanking me for inviting him there. And he looks over and he sees these five people cowering in the corner. And one woman was actually crying. And he walks, marches over to them. He goes, hello, my name is Vidal Sassoon. Who are you? And he starts, he int- he shakes his hand, shakes each hand, finds out who they are, you know, learns about what, what they're doing in the industry. One person i thought actually was going to faint he could not have been kinder and lovelier and more giving and then he came over and he you know went on set with us and and hung out with us for a while and i said oh thank you vidal for they're, they're going to be leaving and he's like well why let them stay and like, oh my god he's just the best and he just i'm hoping those those five people i wish i remembered who they were i hope they're still in the industry and i hope that that transformed them as he has transformed so many people everybody
0: so, that we've Everybody that we've interviewed that had a chance to work with him or meet him says the same thing, how generous, how just loving and just how he just loved the industry in a way that he treated everybody uh, on the same platform as himself. He never he he never talked down to you. He never you know what I mean? He he was just a just consistent, great guy.
3: Yeah, he was a great guy. While we're while we're talking about Vidal, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend everybody watch the Michael Gordon documentary that was done. Um, um, it's called Vidal Sassoon. The movie. I think it's available on like Netflix or or something. But even if you have to pay a couple bucks for it, if you're in this industry, trust me, it's worth it. Um, you know, you'll you'll understand how Vidal Sassoon revolutionized our industry, and the reason that you're making the money that you are today is because of Vidal Sassoon. You know, he mm-hmm. he's the one that kind of he made it a cool industry. He made it he. He made us all the cool kids.
0: Instagram wouldn't be relevant without Sassoon's. I agree. Because, it's, because you go to Instagram because it's all the cool kids, all the cool haircuts, right? And it's all because
1: that he changed it. He changed yeah. it. And I'm in that movie. Get I'm in out. that movie. You will – and that's one of my big claims to fame – if you blink, you 100% will miss me. It's when he did the hair corner waiting for him to walk in. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, when he did hair Do- hairdressers, unlocking hope after Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, he went down and he helped build homes. And I was honored and lucky enough to be part of that. And if in one split second, you see me walking by holding sod to to lay down at somebody's house because they wouldn't let me touch any, you know, hammers or anything. They would just, you know, kind of could tell that that would be a disaster. But yeah.
0: I have a story about Katrina. So uh, we went down there as well. I took my son, my daughter, and we went down. Um, and so we were putting on a roof of this on this house and um, this woman came out, and there was like a. This is like two years after Katrina. You know, it was just, I mean, it took years, so many people were suffering. So, uh, the story of this woman that we were putting a roof on the house uh, when Katrina hit, um, they didn't evacuate and they got stuck. There was a flood, right? They lost the roof. But the craziness is, is that. When they lost power, they had a a little baby on a on a ventilator at their house. So the whole family had to take turns to slowly pump to keep this baby alive and it took 2 days before a helicopter can come and rescue this little baby. So around the clock they spent 2 days just keeping this little baby Holy alive. It, I mean, your heart just sank. It's like I mean, you hear stories like that in Katrina, but it it, it was truly life-changing for us and for my children, uh, and they they really realize how blessed and fortunate they are, and uh, it was just, you know, if you ever get an opportunity to serve like that, uh, do it, because it will change your life.
1: It will, agreed. Uh, you know, every time I've had the opportunity, and I wish I had more, to help other people like that. Um, it just, it makes a big difference. I feel hopefully that I've helped a lot of hairdressers. I like to think that in my career, that that's one thing I've done, either promoting them on social or doing photo shoots with them and getting them recognized. I always, always try to focus on the people who are either up up and coming. And that doesn't mean young. That just means people who are, are looking for the next level of their Mm -hmm. careers.
3: Mm, love that. Can we? Um, and I'm always intrigued by this. And I don't. And actually, I don't even know how we talk about it. It's more of a visual thing. But like, when you're setting up a photo, shot, sh- photo shoot, shoot, when you're setting up a photo <laughs> shoot, or when you're when you get when you have the thousand pictures afterwards, what what is it? What are you looking for or, that, that goes? Wow, that's the shot. You know, or, or when you're setting it up, how do you know that you're going to get the shot? Does that make sense?
1: That's a really good question. So again, in the olden days, when I used to have to look at slides, that would be, I mean, I I maybe would take two days to have the little loop and looking at each slide. And it was a nightmare, you know, going through. Nowadays, you blow up on your computer. It's all digital. It's so much easier. But everything has to come together. And anybody who's doing any kind of photo shoot, you have to know this, that even though the hair is fabulous... Don't think, well, they're no, really not going to notice the makeup or they're not going to notice that the fingernails aren't done or they're not going to notice that she has a hairy arm. Yes, all of that is noticed. Everything you shoot should always look like it, it's the cover of a magazine. And think of yourself looking at the cover of a magazine, something bad If there's something bad on there, that's what's going to jump out. So you know, every hairdresser knows, I'm going to do good hair. So you know the hair is going to be good, but it's all about those other details. The background, what she's wearing, all the little things. Does she have... You know, I'm not saying moles are bad, but is there going to be a mole that's going to be so distracting that's going to take away from the full image? So I always say to people, and again, you know, I was telling you, I hold these um, photo shoots for hairdressers who want to enter Naha or who want to learn how to put together a portfolio and go to MaggieMulhern.com. We'll get there. <laughs> and yeah. Um, to, you know, to do these photo shoots, you just really have to look at everything. And at what point do you crop here? or what t- at what point do you do the full length very rarely would i do full length because i would know that the shot is once we get it in and we we crop it for a cover that we're going to lose a a lot of it. But sometimes those full length shots just make the whole picture and you have to look at it from head to toe and what works. And is she very wrinkled down there? You know, we're going to crop that out. Um, And again, another thing is people obsess about models. They want to get a model who's six feet tall. Not necessary. If you can have a five foot two model, as long as she has a long neck, because hairdressers, it's all about the neck. They want to make sure that her, the hair is falling properly. So it's looking at the whole, the whole image head to toe and having nothing distracting in it.
0: Is it so, so that's the next question was, how do, were you able to hone in your, your vision? Is it from the early days looking at those slides over and over and over and over? Or, I mean, because
1: modeling, it was modeling. And that's why a lot of people think it's real easy to come into a photo shoot and they only know one area of it. I, I modeled for several years and I worked with a whole bunch of different photographers and it wasn't only just watching other pros, learning from other pros and other art directors and seeing what they're doing on set and seeing the things they're paying attention to. It's also establishing the mood of, of a shoot. I'll tell you one thing. I was, um, this is so funny, Again, you guys are unbelievable. You're getting stuff out of me that nobody ever did. I was uh, doing a shoot and they came in with a bunch of sweaters and one of the sweaters I was modeling and it had the word sample marked across it. And I had to hold my arm because in that day we weren't really doing photoshopping or it was so expensive to do photoshopping that they tried not to do it. So the photographer asked me to hold my arm like this to cover the word sample. So I'm doing it. And then he's like, move and move. And, you know, and as I'm moving, accidentally, my arm went down a little bit. He goes, you stupid fat models just don't know what you're doing. And, uh, you know, he really destroyed the mood on set. The model before me walked off set crying. So I kind of knew what I was in for, but I kind of powered through it um, and and it ended up being a great shot um, with my arm covering the word sample. But what's really funny is when I started working at Modern, he called me to ask for a job. No. Oh, yeah. And I said, no, no, absolutely not. Because the Modern shoots, the shoots that I am art directing and that I'm producing are just going to be happy and fun. And they're going to be, a, it's going to be a positive experience. He put such, oh, I like that. <laughs> Give me a high five. He made such negative energy. And quite frankly, in the 80s, it was there. People were a little bit more intense and more negative. In fact, hairdressers were a little edgier back then. Not, not edgier is not the word. A little. Help me out, guys. What word would well, I say? I mean,
3: I'll tell you a story, too. Like, like Tony and I, we, we came in the industry in the early 90s, and there was still, like, that late 80s, like, th- like, like, thing going on. And we thought to be ahead. Like, me. I'm not going to talk for Tony. But for me, like, like, I thought I needed a little bit of air to me. I thought I needed to be a little arrogant when I first got in the industry. I mean, it took me about three years to be like, and here's a true story. Like, I was creating these airs for myself. And then one morning I woke up and I was like, oh, my gosh, my mom would be so embarrassed about who I am. You know, be so embarrassed that I'm putting on these airs. And like and in that moment, I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then um, and then th- th- that, that's what kind of changed me. But there was absolutely that kind of arrogance, that kind of air. And like we saw a ton of hairdressers that kind of carried that on because they were still doing hair when we got into the industry. Certainly, And they were the ones that we were looking up to. You know, it wasn't actually it wasn't really until I started working for Reg Laws um, where I was like just be a dude, just be real, man. You know, and that kind of, and you know, I mean, you're never real at 25, but you know, it was the realest I could be at 25. (laughs) But There was definitely that when we first got in the industry, just this like arrogance and this air about it. Like this is kind of how you had to sell sell yourself and pleasantly surprised that everybody that, or most people that we've had contact with, no matter where they are, as far as celebrity or famous hairdressers, almost all of them have been really, really down to earth and sweet people. I mean, I think the industry has changed a lot. Um, Uh, since, since, since those days,
1: 100% people know to be nice. There's just too much competition or out there too much opportunity for other people that if you're just not nice, if you're making it a hostile set or uncomfortable on set, next, you know, we don't need you. We're in the eighties. That was, you know, yeah, everybody's kind of tough and arrogant and nasty. And that just doesn't work anymore. I always say when somebody was being nasty, I would say, Ooh, that's so eighties of you.
3: That's our shirt. Yeah, that's So eighties of you. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> hey Maggie, I want
3: to take you back a little bit. i um, back to the photo shoots, because if I'm listening in, I'm looking for a little, like a little detail here. what, once I've done beautiful hair, like on the model, like how does the camera see it differently? Or what do you like, do you have to make the hair bigger? Do you have to like, like what is the camera like that that necessarily the naked eye doesn't?
1: That's a great question. Uh, it, the bigger, the better, unless you want your, the hair to look like a swim cap, you know, which might be what you're going for. But to your eye, if it looks big, it's going to look normal on camera. So you always think to go a little bit bigger. Another thing is, if you just really do amazing um, chignons or knots at the back of the neck, just know you're not going to you can't shoot her from the front. Otherwise, you're going to lose the hair. Mm-hmm. I worked with this one hairdresser who it was during one of my workshops who, uh, I, you know, I said this beforehand, make sure you make all the work so that it can be seen from the front. You have this beautiful, beautiful model. You don't wanna waste her. And she did this whole chignon. I went over and I said, "Um, do you want us to, to shoot it from the back? And she's like, I forgot, I can't believe it. She had to take it all down. She ended up putting the knot on the side, equally beautiful on the side, and it ended up on the cover of the magazine. It was. it was a beautiful, beautiful shot. You know, the model, we did everything great. The, the, the um, weight of the hair was here. We put the hand up here, beautiful nails, beautiful jewelry on this side. It was, it was great. And it was all just, you have to know the angle before you do a photo shoot, know the angle and know, do you want to shoot it straight on? Do you want to do it profile? Do you want to do it from the back? Then you really, you know, just use a mannequin. You know, or, you know, it doesn't matter what your model really looks like. But yeah, kind of know before you go in. And I always say to people doing photo shoots, don't look at it's not a blueprint. It's a guide. You know, your ideas and your visions are just guides. And when you do a mood board, which is you're tearing images or printing out images from Pinterest or from magazines, again, use them just as inspiration. Don't get locked down and caught up in something because you will be disappointed because things change. on. Oh my goodness. Things change on set. I mean, we had a model who came in and she had um, lit up something the night before and burned off her eyebrow. We had, yeah. So that was a mess. We had, we've had models come in and had cut their hair the day before. So you have to be prepared. You have to always have a plan B. And I always say, bring bring things like, like accessories and gloves, always bring a pair of gloves in case your model has bad nails, or sunglasses in case she has bloodshot eyes, and you just can't deal with them. Or always, you know, this is always such a good look, you know, this is always, you know, doing something from the side. Yeah. Yeah. All these things I learned from modeling, like I, I'll i see shots and I'm like, mm, you know, if it's too far down and your hand is supposed to go so gently into a pocket, you're not supposed to have it. So you can see the knuckles through the, through the fabric. These are all little tricks and tips that I learned from my years modeling.
3: That's amazing. What I, you, you were talking early. Well, first off almost every Naha um, um, artist that we've talked to have talked about going to the day as the day. Don't go into the day as the photo shoot, right? right? Whatever the day delivers is what you're going to go with. Matt Sweeney has no plan, right? Didn't he tell us he has no plan and whatever the day feeds him, he does, right? Like like that. that's his That's his thing, you know? And then I know that Jamie Wiley said that when we had her on the podcast, she said early on, like everything had to be exactly to the board. And that was her mistake. I'm going to put it in quotes, her mistake early on. But then as, as she started to relax and little bit um those shots became a little uh, a little better and even you said that it, it depends on the mood so if you're going in
0: there and you're all tense then the model's tense then the photographer's tense everybody everybody's kind of tense even blushing main when she won that was a, uh, a a mistake right yeah that was a mistake. it, it, wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't it wasn't planned but it was so great that they kept it so you got to be uh able to uh um, you know just be able to, to e- just not evolve but you know
1: what i mean be, be, your mistake can be genius. There's another t-shirt for
3: there's, you. There's t-shirt. For uh, yeah. With, with Sarah, what happened, uh, Blush and Maine what happened with her is that I think they had three lights on it and only one of them popped. Right. So then they had like these two. But that was the shot. That was the one that made it. Right. And that was the one that she won, that she won the for, which is which is incredible. Right. It's a mistake shot. So you were talking about like when 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 the artist did the uh, braid on the side that your hand was on the other side of your face. Can you kind of talk about balance and how the camera sees balance as well?
1: Well, again, you know, if I'm shooting for a magazine cover, uh, you you kind of figure, all right, we're going to have the call outs over here. So we want the the weight of it here. For something like a Naha, you can't think of a magazine cover. Just think of a beautiful photo. So you do want balance. So if it's a lot of a lot of hair going on over here. Maybe if she has a one-sided outfit, uh, you know, th- then the side is over here. Like the, if if you are going to do something like that, the hairdresser should look at the fashion beforehand to know if he or she is going to do something that is asymmetrical to see what the fashion is going to be. Because if, if you have an outfit with the big flower over here, mm-hmm. you obviously don't want the eye to go over here for the hair because it's distracting. So you want to move everything over to this side. Um, and, you know, and again, and you can balance a lot of things with accessories. When we did this with this model, we just, it was a one shoulder deal and we brought her hand up. But it, but, but we made sure her hand was beautiful and the nails were done and it was tons of jewelry here. I wish you could find that cover.
0: Hey, <laughs> so, so when you worked with like all these different, like like I said, from Vidal to Larissa Love to Vivian to Guy Tech, when you were, you did shoots with these guys, right? Or did mm-hmm. you work? Yeah, yeah. Did, were they leaning on you or, did, and you were like, you know, you know, helping them with their vision or were you sitting there learning from them as much as, as maybe they were leaning on you? How, how was that relationship?
1: Uh, you know, it's really funny that you say that, like with Nicholas French, you know, he doesn't need my help at all. Oh. <laughs> Vivian McKinder, Garen. Those people do not need my help. They come in, they know what they're doing. In fact, I learned I learned so much from from each of those artists, particularly Garen, because I, again, my, my job is the producer and the art director. So Garen would come in and he went over to my makeup artist, David Matterich is the guy I use the most. And he started designing the makeup, telling telling David, I want to make sure that the eyebrow is like this. I want, because he had a vision with the hair, the hair was going to be asymmetrical and he wanted the eyebrow to come out like this, very Spock-like. And I was listening to that and I pulled David aside. I said, David, you know, why aren't you asking me? Because like, you're not Garen. <laughs> <laughs> you're just Maggie <laughs> <laughs> to you. you're not Karen and the same thing like you know Nicholas French when he does his Nalha collection he's he starts working on it six months beforehand he's creating all these magnificent hair pieces um and his you know he he's a such an artist and Vivian McKinder Vivian McKinder thinks from head to toe everything is she makes sure that the outfit is right she I did a shoot with her and she wanted a very specific model and this model was not available and this model was not available. We kept pushing the shoot back until the model was finally available. So the model becomes available and the model showed up four hours late. And at some point I said, Vivian, we're, we're just not going to do this. I mean, I'm, I've am i got to pay everybody. You know, I'm paying the photographer, the makeup artist, but they're all sitting here. The model called and she said, I'll be, I'll be there around noon when she was supposed to be there at eight. And I said, you know, maybe we should just think of somebody different. She's like, no, that is the model for the shot and she got her model model came in god only knows what she had been doing you know she was such a mess and it took us forever to get her right but she was the right model for the shot and it ended up being a cover wow. um with the newer people like guy tang my shoot with guy was i i actually uh i didn't do a photo shoot with guy what i shot with guy which was so interesting is I covered him while he was doing one of his posts, while he was preparing for a post. And we were at Intercroffure and he, we were behind the scenes. He took one of the models, finished her, brought her out on Lexington Avenue, pushed her up against a building and started taking pictures of her. And my whole thing was documenting how he took the pictures. And it was fascinating because I, I was watching him. He was using at the time an iPhone 6. Um, he was using all natural lighting I was watching him and he said I make sure to go straight on everything is straight on the light has to be hitting that perfectly um, and I said would you ever go um, below or above and he's like every once in a while maybe above never below but always straight on so I I learned from him Larissa Love I shot with her at out a, of a, the photo studio and just what's so magical about Larissa is Larissa She is just such a lovely, fun, positive, optimistic person. She is not the 80s. She's not so 80s. She's so so 2021. She's just lovely to be around and a phenomenal educator. And that's one thing. All of these people are great educators that I've had the opportunity to work with.
3: We love Larissa. She was just on the podcast. um, Well, I guess when this gets released like a couple months ago or a month ago or so. Um, Okay. You're on set. You're the director. You You have... photographers you have models you have artists you have yada 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 like how do you manage all those egos in a room and and do you have any kind of like any secret sauce to be like oh i need to step in here and what's that conversation like
1: yeah so we've had some of those uh situations and again magical question Uh, what i advise if you're going to shoot a lot is to have a team establish a team of people that you know that you're confident with that you know get along Um, my photographer roberto lagresti i think has won more nahas or has been nominated more than any other photographer he's amazing david matterich has won naha and has his uh, makeup has been on more naha wins than any other makeup artist Rod Navoa is this renowned fashion stylist that I can't believe he works with us. He's just so amazing. He doesn't do a lot of beauty or hair things. He says he says this, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this to you, but he said, Maggie, I just love working with you. So Rod will work with us. And then I have two great nail artists that I work with. So it's having the right team. We've had problems in the past, not with my team, but then the outsider is always you know, the hairdresser and 99% of the time, it's fantastic. 99% of the time they are magical people, but only twice in my entire career have I asked a hairdresser to leave because both cases it was a guy because he was out of line. Unbelievable. You want details? I mean, how much details are you giving? Well, I'm not going to give names, but one guy came in and I had done a shoot with John Sahag and John Sahag was torn between two models and he picked, he said, well, I really, it's time for me to do a brunette. I'm going to do a brunette. Um, I'll leave you the blonde for the next day. So the next day, uh, so I shot this beautiful shoot with John Sahag, who is no longer with us, but oh my goodness, you guys must've known him. Unbelievable, Unbelievable hairdresser. So the next day I have a shoot with this other very kind of famous hairdresser and he comes in and the model is sitting there and he walks in and he looks at the model and he's like, how dare you give me this model? Don't you know who I am? I'm one of the top five hairdressers in the world, and I would never work on a model like this. You know, so '80s. So, model bursts out in tears. The photographer starts freaking out. Uh, you know, this was not Roberto at the time. This is a long time ago. And and everybody, all of a sudden, everybody freezes, and they look to me like, all right, what what's Maggie going to do? And I'm like, so you know, I'm, like, I'm sorry. You're you're not good enough for this shoot because this model was good enough for John Sahag who is one of the top five
0: hairdressers.
1: (laughs) And I don't see you as one of those. If you can only make somebody like at the time, Claudia Schiffer look good, then you're not good enough for modern salon magazine. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave. So he leaves. I have a total melt. I'm sobbing. I mean, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe everybody's crying. The poor model, the poor, I said in front of the model. So that was, that was a bad thing. And then, um, I got another hairdresser in and it was one of the best shoots ever, ended up on the cover. And then the other time was again, another famous hairdresser had his PR person say, he wants a model, he wants to have her cut her hair um, in a bob and dye it blue. And can you imagine what it was like trying to find a model to do that? Right. You know, working with big, big time agencies, I had, I, you know, I probably saw 200 models and I finally find this beautiful girl who's willing to do it. She's in the studio all set we're all set to shoot the guy walks in and he looks at her and he goes this can't be the model and he goes she's like a Victoria secret model and i'm I'm thinking that's a compliment the starts <laughs> crying you know he's like you you have an hour to find me another model I'm going out for coffee you have an hour to find another model for me and he walks out the door and my first thing was I called um Vidal Sassoon, songs, because I always have house models. I said, "Do you have any models that I can?" And then all of a sudden, I, I got off. I said, "No, forget it. I said, "No, I don't want to work with him. You know, he's he's not right." And um, and I called up to Redken to uh, Chris Sorby and Chris Barron. I said, "Look, it, I've got this great opportunity. I have this amazing model who will do anything. Will you guys come down and shoot her?" And they they were down within an hour, and it ended up on the cover. It was beautiful. But that in 40, 40 years. Those are the only two bad, you know. Mm.
0: But it, it, it only takes a bad apple to ruin everything, right? And it just, you know kudos for you for having the strength to stand up for everybody else when the person that's coming in and demanding or making everybody else feel less than what they should be feeling uh you know hey, kudos and, and by the way couldn't get two better people than chris and chris you right,
3: know, this yeah. i mean you talk about like not 80s
1: you oh, know? Oh, and they walk into the studio and they're like all right where's this horrible model because i told them the whole thing and then they said she's so gorgeous. This is so great. And they did something very different. It was so beautiful. And they, it, it was, it was one of my favorite shoots and one of my favorite stories. And don't forget, I'm a former model. So when you're, you're in both cases, they had problems with the model and mm-hmm. you know, you know, you're hurting, you're hurting my peeps. Right. So, That's uh, right.
0: I, I like that. And I think what makes you so relevant even still today is that you, you you allow yourself to evolve and adapt to what's what's happening currently, right? A lot of times, a lot of us, you know, we, we can get stuck and this is all we know. This is all we're willing to do and not evolve. So has this evolve or dissolve? His T-shirt says evolve or dissolve.
1: Oh, oh I love that. Okay. All righty. So,
0: so by evolving and allowing yourself to continue to grow and, and adapt, did it help you? start your your current passion right now and then that is you know Maggie. Maggie Maggie
1: that's my website and i'll tell you what i'm doing but i just want to give a shout out to allison alhamid who was our chief editor at the time and i was very anti-social media i just it's just not not who I am. I'm not like a social media person. I really didn't get it. I didn't understand it. When Allison came on board, she was our social media editor. And I'm like, what is that? There's no future in that thing. What What is that? And then the whole Instagram thing happened and Allison started it. And she said to me, she, and we were at fashion week, New York fashion week. And she said, Maggie, I'm overwhelmed. She was doing all of our Facebook, everything else. Can you help me with Instagram? And I'm like, you know, what is it? So I said, sure, I'll do that. And I, and I, you know, we were had maybe 900, 800 or 900 followers at the time, 800, like less than a thousand followers. So she hands it off to me and I really stunk up the place for a few months. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was going in and taking pictures of pillows at TJ Maxx, you know, with sayings. And I'm just, I, I, I just really didn't know what I was doing. And then all of a sudden somebody sent a picture to me and said, would you, publish my picture would you post my picture i'm like oh oh wait i can reproduce i can i can publish other people's work so after like three months then i'm like oh i get it now and i'm publishing we're a feature page i didn't i really didn't understand it allison tried to explain it to me and you know i'm kind of dense when it comes to this kind of stuff so finally then i got it and i got us um single-handedly Allison helped me occasionally because you know she was so she's so good and she's so smart and so wonderful and I got us up to 107,000 followers and and that was a full year of doing it. And I said, I can't do this anymore because I was putting up, up to 10 images a day, seven days a week. And my husband would be like, what are you doing? You're always on your phone. And then I started, cause I didn't want to bother him. I'd run into the bathroom. I felt like a junkie. I'm running into the
3: <laughs> Instagram junkie <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: to put up posts. And after a hundred, when we got to 107,000, I said to, to, you know, we had a bunch of editors at the time. We had seven editors. I said, I need help. I can't do this. I just can't do this anymore. So then we each ended up taking a day and it's um, and, you know, I learned again, watching them because I was never great with captions. These people are so clever, like Allison and Jamie Newman, just phenomenal captions. And I was learning from them. So then now modern is uh, up to 1.1 million. And I feel very instrumental in that. I, I feel like I helped. Well, and that changed me. Then I realized, oh, social media is kind of cool. Now we can find people. You don't have to be in New York or L.A. to be a, a, a superstar. We, you're superstars everywhere. And now we get to celebrate you. Now we get to put you on on Modern's um, Instagram account. And now uh, it, just, it just changed everything. And it changed the way I viewed social media.
0: Here you are. You know, you're the director. You're the chief. But yet you still constantly humbled yourself to learn from everybody else. And that's, I think that's what makes you so unique and so just relevant because you're not afraid to constantly learn something.
1: Oh, new. I was afraid. I was afraid with social media. I'm not afraid to learn anything else. I mean, I listen to podcasts all day long, you guys, for example, but I also listen, what you missed in history class and stuff oh. you should know. I'm Always learning. I want to learn something new every day. But uh, again, shout out to Allison and Sydney Lopez, who, who you mentioned. I've learned so much from her. And one thing I always like to say to people is a mentor doesn't have to be someone who's older than you. A mentor can be somebody who's younger. And in most cases, in my case, uh, the mentor is younger. I have daughters, both in their 30s, and I learn so much from them, mostly because they're like, Ma, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) They say it differently from Allison and Sydney, but, but I learned so much. from. I mean, I know you guys have kids. Don't you constantly learn from them? Oh, uh, all constantly. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah.
0: Especially when I can't figure something out, I'm like, hey, Skyla, Jake, can you guys come <laughs> over and help me? <laughs> they make it look so easy. Like, yeah, yeah. Like that's So
3: what, uh, so what's Miss Maggie Mulhern up to now?
1: Okay. So now um, I'm pretty excited. I'm actually very excited about what I'm doing. I'm taking all my photo shoot experience. And again, that has been the thing I'm most most passionate about and the thing I feel really good about again because I have this phenomenal team and just such a great history and experience I I'm doing two things with photo shoots I'm doing uh brand photo shoots I think I have my first one coming up so I'm pretty excited about it working with a thank you working with a brand um to do advertising shoots and uh I, I'm doing it so well. I, I I kind of did some investigation and I found out the pricing and I'm coming in way lower because I just want to kick the whole thing off. Um, so any brands out there, if you're looking for an opportunity, go to maggiemulhern.com or email me at maggiemulhern, maggie.mulhern at gmail.com. And we'll put together a phenomenal package with, with all my award-winning guys, you know, David, Roberto, Rod, all, great team. We get great models. So I can do photo shoots for brands, but I also love doing photo shoots with hairdressers and I'm doing that, um, a workshop. I have one coming up. I don't know when this is airing, but I have one coming up June 14th and I have, um, it's only open to four hairdressers. We can only handle four because Roberto can only do so many shots in a day. And we do uh, a collection. You do three looks on one model and they can either be for Naha or your portfolio, or I'll help you get published because I do freelance for Aesthetica and Aesthetica, which is in 60 countries. You know, I'm going to, give you the opportunity to get published. So it's it's a phenomenal opportunity. I'm very proud that I'm doing it and very excited. And I'm doing the one in June and then another one. The one in June is sold out, uh, but I'm going to do another one probably in the fall. And it's just it's I, I just get so energized by the hairdressers there. They all become buddies. They all help each other. It is a very exciting, affordable photo shoot. You know, if if these people piecemealed the photo shoot, it'd be $25,000 if they got Roberto and the model I get and blah, blah, blah. And I do it for $6,000 because it's a collect. you know, you get to do it with each other. It is, it is the most rewarding one of the, I'd say one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. In my in my career,
3: you me a favor when next time next time your workshop comes up if you start um if you start um promoting it on Instagram m- make sure you tag us and then we can share it along. Oh, okay, I
1: really thank you. That's really nice. And then the other thing I want to do because I want to talk to you guys because you guys are such superstars at podcasting. I'm going to start a podcast. Yeah, but it's not going to be for the industry. It's a podcast for um, retirement people, and it's called Keeping It Together in Retirement. And I just want to talk to people who have not necessarily retired, but they're 55 and up and what they're doing to make their life fabulous. Because I know for me, I go on my podcast and I want a really good solid 45 or 60 minute podcast that I can listen to. And I want to just interview people. I already have, you know, people lined up. One one woman teaches yoga. Another woman teaches speed walking. Another guy is a former bull rider from Las Vegas. Who is who is very active i uh, and uh, that's going to be my podcast so i'm going to be calling you guys separately to get some tips on oh, first you
0: know, off, i love that idea yeah, yeah. anything we can do yeah, to yeah, help yeah. even if it was about hairdressing we were in you know what i mean we always said that we'll we'll help other people start podcasts even if even if it puts ours out if it betters the industry. So anything that betters the industry, uh, we're all in. Because I, I, I did read an interview about you. You were interviewing, I forget who it was, or and you were talking about 401Ks. It was like salon owners and 401Ks and stuff like that. So I thought, like, oh, that would be a kind of cool podcast. But uh, about retirement, about how do, how do we, especially as hairdressers, survive at the end of our career, you know what I mean, if you haven't been putting away uh, in savings.
1: Yeah. I just heard about somebody was, Oh, it was Gordon Miller. I was talking to Gordon Miller and he said, he knew a guy who in college said I'm going to put $5 a day away for my retirement. And by the time he was ready to retire, he had a million, uh, $1.5 million just from that little thing. So the guy was, you know, little like a side hustle.
3: (laughs) His own hustle. His hustle was himself.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And having,
3: having that discipline. Uh, Maggie, we could go on for days. We uh, really could, but we 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 made it to an hour, man. That Just was like that. No, that's awesome.
1: You you guys got some really uh, insider stuff out of me that I've really never told anybody, but I love yeah. talking to you and I and I love your whole setup and I love you guys and I'm so excited for your success.
3: Well, I, will, I, I I hope we get the opportunity to uh, to hang out and high five on, on the road because uh, you know, there's nothing that we like more than actually uh, meeting people IRL in the real life. You know, we can't, we can't wait for that.
1: So I want to make sure I to- I give you my Instagram, which is at Maggie underscore Mulhern, M-U-L-H-E-R-N. And I've been doing a lot on Clubhouse lately. I've yes, we have too. Love Clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You can have curlers in your hair and you know
3: Maggie, I'll tell you what, and if you're gonna start a podcast, I highly recommend Clubhouse for you. We've actually what we actually spoke to Gordon about this a couple of weeks ago, but you know, we're starting to shift our podcast a little bit where we're trying to bring people from outside of the hair world that that would be relevant to the hair world. And, and we've vetted people and we found people on clubhouse. Like we're like tomorrow again, I don't know when this airs, but tomorrow we're actually interviewing like a former Navy seal who, uh, who talks about, um, uh, high performance, um, leadership. So he's going to talk about high performer, high performance leadership. And we found him on clubhouse. You know, we heard him talk. We're like, wow, that's interesting. You know? So we we'll, We'll go ahead and bring him on the podcast. So that, 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 that's that we're, one. we're recording with him tomorrow. Yeah. So um, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, yeah. But but if you're going to do this, I mean, what a great place to vet people. What a great place to already hear the story before you share it for your podcast. Go go pick up some guests on Clubhouse.
1: Yeah, I never thought of that. That's good. Well, I don't have a big retirement following yet, but um, <laughs> but who knows? You know, I, I specifically want to get for my my podcast people who are 55 and up. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's cool. Again, but you guys, thank you so much. I'm Anything this is we so can much- do
0: to help promote whatever you're up to, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Absolutely. We're huge fans.
1: Yeah. Oh well, and I'm a huge fan of yours. I mean, this is such a cool thing that you do and I know you've helped the industry and you've helped so many people so it's so nice and, and guess what our woodpecker never came on I, t- I have a woodpecker who lives right outside the house who is just really wreaking havoc with the neighborhood and I was so afraid the whole time I was on with you guys I'm like when is the woodpecker going to stop start and he didn't right. so that's
3: awesome
0: well thank the woodpecker for holding off <laughs> exactly
3: Miss <laughs> Maggie Mulhern thank you very very much for joining us on your day
1: off thank you thank you bye